0: the chance of gaming podcast after not clicking the record button last time and now take two good yeah good thing is i didn't get very far blah blah blah. episode 99 just keep us yeah we'll pop up with me roy shannon shannon has a great voice etc etc so what we were getting to where we were (laughs) was um we're talking about my hey we're uh, not dead yet uh, yeah we're still here My convention in two months, Siege of Vicksburg, it's got a five hundred dollar forty K event. It's a five hundred dollar prize pool. But what we were talking about was like if it's five hundred dollars, uh how say twenty people say twenty-five. No, it can't be twenty-five because it has to be an even amount of people. So five hundred dollars, let's say twenty-two people pay like twenty yeah. Uh, basically they'd pay basically they'd have to pay about twenty-five dollars and that it would pay for itself, you know, but then that would be Mm -hmm. neat for one person Mm -hmm. wins. But yeah,
1: Yeah. uh, but but the way I'm taking it all.
0: Yeah, that would be neat. But the way this will actually work (laughs) is first place. will get X amount. Second place. It'd be first, second, third. And because it's a 40 K thing, it will have a best painted thing. So, okay, there you go. All right. So. Uh, anyway, uh what have you guys been like watching T V wise movies? Did y'all did y'all see Barbie? No, I but it's, I
1: think I'm, tomorrow
0: I'm gonna go see it. I, I saw hear it's great. I saw it and I, and I I immediately walked out of there going, I can see why Ben Shapiro doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs> it, it yeah, it 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 was it's way too pro women for for him mm-hmm. and you know to that but yeah it was good uh and just see the like the reaction there's a speech a character gives probably somewhere around the halfway point and a lot of my theater collapsed the 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 oh, ladies cool. in the the ladies in the theater I'm like oh okay that's interesting all right all right but yeah it's uh-huh. i mean honestly it's just fun good but what have you guys been watching
1: uh let's see here uh well so uh, it's always sunny in philadelphia we've we've completed that uh, series or that uh season right
0: are you caught completely up
1: yes i've seen all of it
0: all right yeah yeah, yeah. it it finished out its season and yep. uh, the podcast is on hiatus and yeah
1: because of the strike
0: uh i uh watched uh, i i'll I know you guys have watched or dabbled in Strange New Worlds at I've some point. I've seen
2: a few episodes, yeah.
0: I got caught up yep. on that, and it continues to just be utterly amazing.
2: Well, I
1: hear people talk about it some more, so I actually have watched uh, the season finale of the first season uh, just this weekend. And I'm into the the season opener of season two uh, at the moment. Okay. We, um, we,
2: uh, we ran into a uh... A hiccup with Star Trek and the difficulty of keeping up with the new programming. Um, And so we are pretty far behind. I'm caught up on um, the cartoons. Mm -hmm. uh, But we are are way behind on Strange New Worlds. We have yet to break open Picard Season 3. And we haven't quite finished Discovery Season 4, is it? And will there be another season? I'm not I'm not sure.
0: This current know? season, this current this season that is air starts airing at the end of this month will be the final
2: season. Oh, OK. So there, I, I need to get on the stick and figure out how they resolve the uh, planet eating problem.
0: All right. So <laughs> uh, there, there's a couple things to unpack there. Uh, you're waiting on uh, Picard season three. I don't know why. Well, uh, I think... Okay, I I just wanted to say, I can understand why you would be waiting on it, given the awfulness of like uh, season two. It just really was not that good, and but season three is probably some of the best Star Trek ever. I highly recommend you get yeah, just give it that one more chance. It's <laughs> it's it's really really good.
2: I, so, what's interesting about that? what you've just said is that um that's not what's holding us back. We enjoyed season 2. Um I don't I don't know. I think I think we just overdosed. Um back in the in the old-timey days when there was uh just one show on at a time and everybody was all that's too much Star Trek, that's too much Star Trek. Um and I thought how could that possibly be? Well, now now I think I know how it could be too much Star Trek. I just haven't been able to <laughs> swallow that much Star Trek content. Um and and every show is different. Um, but Discovery feels so earnest and so college sophomore and so like it couldn't be more earnest if, if Deanna Troy showed up and started talking to everybody too. And I think I think that's actually what's slowing us down. And it's not that we dislike Discovery so much as Oh, those people, they, they they take a lot of energy to watch.
0: Hmm. I've been a fan of Discovery from the beginning. I'm, you know, lat, to me, the last season wasn't that great, but I still liked it. Uh, I'm very interested to see where the final season shows.
2: I, I'm looking forward to it, too.
0: Uh, now, Lower Decks, they did a uh, crossover episode with Strange New Worlds,
2: and it was so yep, damn good. Yeah, I heard about good. that.
0: Oh, my God, okay. it was so good.
2: I've heard great things about that.
0: <laughs> so, so very, very good. And they even managed to pull off a musical episode. Wow. Well, oh. And look, okay, guys, I, I'm i not one of those people that like musical episodes. I know a lot of people are. Buffy famously has a really great one. And, and they're just not for me. So I... Came into watching that episode with my arms crossed and not happy, <laughs> but I was smiling ear to ear at the end of it. It, it was just amazing. So well done. I, I loved it.
1: All right. So I do like some of the musical choices that they've had in Strange New Worlds. Uh, so like the season finale of season one had uh, a song called Making Memories, which was uh, it's a contemporary song. Um, and I, I quite enjoyed that. I probably had to like find some more from that artist. So they're they do make some kind of out there choices as far as it's not it's not Star Trek style music. It's you know contemporary stuff. So
2: yeah. Oh, like the theme from Enterprise? M- maybe. I'm not sure. Oh, that was a sort of a country music theme, but the 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 goal it's, there was to. Oh re reset what Star Trek is perceived as and so in fact they didn't even use oh, Star okay. Trek in the title of that show for a couple of years and they had a different kind of song for the for the opening. Oh, are, you t- okay. are you
0: talking about having faith of the heart?
2: Yeah, that's the one.
0: Yeah. I've got faith of the heart
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I look I thought uh, the groove
2: was in the heart.
0: I yeah, that that would have been better. Somebody should re-edit that. Okay, look, I still to this day, I mean this somebody, this is a free idea for you to have a very popular TikTok channel. What you need to do is take episodes of Star Trek the Next Generation with uh Jean-Luc Picard doing things and re-edit the lines from his character Avery Bullock from uh american dad the the horrible things he says yeah is okay. that. and i think it would just be yep. hysterical you know and yeah it's yeah uh, that that's my free idea so now on here shannon you listed uh benson and i did i, I grew up in the 80s i'm aware of benson but i never watched it uh, so my first question would be is like where
1: did you where did you watch it where are you watching it
2: I'm watching that on the Roku channel.
1: Okay. Same same place you're watching the Rockford Files.
2: That is correct.
1: Ah, okay.
2: And there's some Columbo there, too. And uh, a lot of things, a lot of things. My children found something that they were very excited about (laughs) on the Roku channel recently.
1: Didn't that feature the first gay character on television?
2: Soap did. Benson was a character on Soap. It spun off into his own series okay Um, and and probably not really the first gay character but the first unambiguously like in the first opening sequence hi i'm billy crystal and i'm a gay um character okay
1: yeah it's jody charles notwithstanding
2: right right um there were always there always there have always been queer-coded characters on on tv but uh jody dallas played by billy crystal was unambiguously a gay man okay um, Benson huh. is unambiguously a black man. Um, <laughs> yep. And Benson is a is primarily a workplace sitcom. He uh, spun off into his own show and went to work for a character named Governor Gatling as the um, director of household staff.
1: Is that Barry Bostwick
2: from uh, uh, Rocky Horror? No. No, it wasn't. It was a different guy. James Noble is his oh, okay. name. He's from a few things, okay, um, but mostly from Benson. Very, very well okay. performed. Not very bright. Uh, Benson, very bright. And um, I watched the show when I was when when I was young, and it was in its first run on network. And uh-huh. I remember loving it, and remember thinking, I wonder how this is going to hold up, and it holds up pretty well. Oh. Um one of the very one of the very first jokes. The first joke is um in the in the opening credits where he is chased into the mansion by the guard dogs. And so the show opens with a black man being chased by Dobermans. And then the very okay. first scene of the first episode is the German housekeeper giving Benson grief for walking around the house in dirty shoes because the dogs were chasing him across the lawn.
1: So it really kind of turns the whole um, race relations on its head that you have a capable black man and kind
2: of a bumbling uh, white guy. That's the governor. Yes. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Um, The first scene between Benson and the governor, uh, the governor mistakes Benson for the Reverend Jesse Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Okay. Race relations yeah. are, are front and center and handled deftly and comedically. Um, Benson, uh, as the title character and as the main character, gets, gets the upper hand almost all of the time, but not exclusively. Um, and the fact that he is a black man um, is played for laughs in the fact that it makes other people um, uncomfortable when they realize that they've walked down that path.
1: Ah okay yeah
2: uh, so it's 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 you know it is still a sitcom it is still from nineteen eighty it's got all of all of the baggage that comes with that, but on the whole it handles that baggage uh pretty well, and my children uh are getting a good laugh out of it too
1: cool, yeah well uh, you know there there's a star trek uh uh connection here with R- rene Abergenois who played Odo in Deep Space Nine. I'm glad you pronounced that. I am too.
2: (laughs) Thank you. I took my best guess at it. There's another one. Um, A character on Benson named Pete is played by a fellow who, uh, his name just blew out of my mind, but he was the alien on Voyager. He was the cook.
0: Oh, yeah. Ethan Ethan Phillips. is. uh, Ethan
2: Phillips. Yep. Uh, so a couple of oh. couple of strong Star Trek connections there to Benson.
0: Now awesome. I I was gonna say, Roy, you th- ask if Barry Boswick played the governor. You are thinking of Spin City.
1: Ah, okay. Yep. Where yeah. Where he's
0: he's a mayor in that. That's a really good show. Um, that is yep, a good show.
1: with Michael J. Fox and yep. then um, uh, who's the bad boy from Two and a Half Men? Charlie James. Um Charlie Sheen. Yes,
2: was he? He was in that. No. No. Yes. But did somebody, somebody. Somebody similar. Similar. Who's it got their IMDb from... open? No. Uh, <laughs> Let's see
1: here. I do not. Uh,
2: uh, yeah, Charlie Sheen. Yep, okay, yeah. So he... Charlie Sheen. Okay, hmm. yeah. So Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Uh,
1: Heather yeah. Locklear oh.
0: was in it for two seasons. Charlie Sheen, two
1: seasons.
2: Hmm. Oh, and Heidi Alan Klo- Ruck, Klo- who is Klo- now Klo-
1: in, um, yeah. I was, uh, oh, Alan Richard. Ruck is in, what is it, uh, uh, Succession on HBO?
0: Oh, yeah, he's also, I know Alan Ruck also. Okay, let's also. Well, he's Cameron. Uh, well yeah I was all oh, going to say well. let's stay with the Star Trek connection and <laughs> right, um yep. yeah he's Captain whatever he was supposed to take over the Enterprise before Kirk stole it um uh, it, all right. yeah in that movie what, what movie was that is that like uh three, I think. it's it. search for Spock I can't remember yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It was number three. It's, yeah they steal it to like go save Spock or whatever but yeah but they okay. steal it from him so yeah, right. but yeah, he's Cameron Ferris's friend and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So anyway.
1: All of Hollywood uh, is connected.
0: Yeah. This does remind me of uh, I've been watching. Are you guys familiar with um my Corgi does not like something? Uh are you guys familiar <laughs> with um damn it. Just shoot me.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, it's only uh, David Spade.
0: It's on Hulu and I decided, okay. I remember, I never finished it. I remember enjoying watching it as it aired and I'm watching it. It holds up. It's great. Uh, George Segal is a fantastic mm-hmm. actor. You know, he's been dead for years <laughs> at this point. Uh, his daughter in it, uh, Laura San Giacomo with the giant boobs. Yep. She's in it. And I, they're basically their own characters cause they, yeah, uh, they're constantly referenced. Laura, yes. uh, San, okay. San Giacomo, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, this is, I mean, ob- it's obviously a David Spade vehicle. I think he's more or less sort of the main character, and uh, yeah, he's really, really good. Lots of banter, mm-hmm. sarcastic wit, but I dig it. But anyway, are you been watching Outlander, Shannon?
2: It made its way back onto the playlist. Um, When Sinead O'Connor passed away recently, a few people made the observation that she sang the theme for season seven. And we had not gotten through season six. So season six popped back up uh, on the evening routine. And this, this list of shows that I'm presenting this month uh, there's a pretty clear window into how we watch television in my house. Uh, sometimes I turn on something peculiar and people <laughs> either join in or don't, uh-huh. <laughs> or, or, uh, or we watch something, um, like uh, a murder police show from some other country, or we pluck something up out of. Oh, well, we didn't quite finish that and 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 do that for a while. And uh, and we don't mm-hmm. really follow the new releases especially. Uh, we did watch The Witcher. I forgot to mention that. And we did watch Good okay. Omens Season 2. And, uh, and I guess we're looking forward to The Sandman, which might come out sometime soon. But in terms of what we're actually uh-huh. watching right. these days for Outlander, Oh poor Jamie. Poor Jamie getting getting outmaneuvered by the politicians and and uh poor poor old lady from the future having to invent science out there in the <laughs> wilderness. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a hard show to watch.
0: Uh so does she stay stuck in the past or does she like travel back and forth?
2: She chooses to remain. Um, I think she could go back to her home time if she wanted to, but she really, really loves Jamie a lot and is willing to to live with him where he is because apparently for reasons he can't come to the future where things are um, at least medicinally nice and people don't uh, whip white men Like Just they do the hell back hell it, in the old timey days. Well, you know, he's a he's an outlaw. Being uh, Scottish and an era when being Scottish is reason enough to be considered an outlaw. And he got uh, he got beat pretty hard ah, okay. in the first couple of seasons. Um, it's a it's a it's a very difficult show to watch, leavened by the uh, the occasional nudity.
0: <laughs> it's all That's, like uh, Showtime. Look forward to that part. It, isn't it Showtime or something?
2: Uh, it's a uh, stars
0: stars okay. stars.
2: Yeah. So it's not exactly basic cable, but it's not, uh, it's not, it's not extra money. Skidamax. Uh, uh, yeah, it's,
0: uh, I mean, it, at this point we really are like getting to kind of back to the way cable was, it's yeah. like, I subscribe to so many different, like, you know, things and it's got kind of to the point, like where something new comes out and they have this. And I'm yeah. just like, no, I'm just not gonna do it. you know
2: one yeah. of the, and that's one of the reasons we're not caught up on outliner actually is that it's uh, on Netflix for us. We okay. are we are not hooked up to stars
0: so uh, did you watch okay. the uh, I see you have it listed here, or did you watch the original prisoner is that what you're talking about watching?
2: That is what I'm talking about watching. Um, I watched that originally back in high school. Um, we are now at a point in history where the number of years ago when I watched it in high school is, much larger than the number of years ago that uh, (laughs) were between when it came out and when I watched it in high school. Um, But it it, it really affected me when I was younger. And I always meant to get around to buying it and recently did buy the complete DVD boxed set. And so I'm slowly working my way through that um, over lunch on days when I work at home and nobody else is around.
1: So that's um, my knowledge of that is that it's a British drama from the 60s where it's a very kind of surreal, um, uh, kind of a, uh, um, a Logan's Run sort of feel to it, maybe. Yes, sure. no? Yeah, or yeah, like, yeah. I, or think, like I, um, think
2: I think you're making or like a V for Vendetta, kind of in the same vein. A bit, yeah. Um, the, okay. the title, character, the prisoner uh apparently used to be a spy and he resigned from whatever job he had in the opening sequence and then was kidnapped and taken away to a place called the village and he wants to escape and they want to know why he resigned and it was a 17 episode series it starred patrick McGuinn, who was the showrunner he didn't write the episodes he didn't write all of the episodes anyway and uh, this was at a, a moment in history when when Patrick McGowan was at the height of his international powers as an entertainer, television star, producer, director, oh, and okay. uh, was able to get this show made. It got carried in the United States as a summer replacement for the Jackie Gleason Comedy Hour. So those people must okay. have had a good time.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine. It's look, I've never finished it. Um, I've watched a few. Uh, episodes i'm very familiar with like yeah it's very trippy it's very very surreal um and also like the 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 nightmare fuel thing this uh the show has is the bubbles like if you yeah if they want to discipline you or like you escape and this is how they capture you it's like a giant rolling balloon that you know, I just saw, and when it finally catches you, it stretches that latex over your face. It's just terrifying looking.
2: Yeah. It is. Yeah, it is. It's really alarming. It was, as a practical effect, it was actually a real weather balloon uh, that was used for filming. But yeah, as a character, it's, it's, um, yikes. Uh, so I, I, the, 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 the purpose of the show, from Patrick McGowan's point of view, was to explore the dynamic between individual autonomy and the demands of society. Um, and so, it uh, it haunts me, and I I returned to it. I I wrote several posts about it when the yeah uh, the AMC version was released about ten years ago. Oh, wait, what, ago? the mm-hmm.
0: two, the two thousand nine miniseries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With uh Jim Caviezel and Ian McKellen, right?
2: That's the one. That's the one. Um I I went into it um trying very hard to let it stand on its own and be its own show. And it's fine as its own show. Um but as a as a reimagining of The Prisoner, I think it falls short uh in a number of ways. Um Well, that number is probably two, but those are significant enough. Um, On the one hand, the balance between um, individual autonomy and social demands in the original, um, the main character, number six, was always trying to help people and really trying to help them, actually really trying to help, while also trying to take down the system and escape and destroy it. And in in the current one, um, the character of Six really was just like just himself to the degree that he was out for anybody and not just confused all the time was uh, he was just out for himself and then um, building out of that the the metaphor in the original series that the village represents larger society and that actually you can't escape and that what you really are doing is struggling to maintain your own autonomy while helping other people, while resisting the untoward demands of society. Wasn't picked up in the Jim Caviezel version, where um, basically the village was some kind of science fictional psychopathology construct that was simultaneously in everybody's head and also only accessible i don't even know how some way the the story tried to make it clear and failed okay so um the the new one is easier to watch um because it's got a it's got a coherent narrative that starts and ends even if the story doesn't make a lot of sense the narrative does that makes sense to you but the the original series i feel um is more fruitful for later consideration.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, going into like, uh, what we're playing and the whole reason why I wanted to record a podcast today was Roy, you went to Gen Con.
1: I did. Yes.
0: And, um, uh, I have so many thoughts about it. And the, the main thing why is, uh, you know, the, the the crime at Jim con
2: yes <laughs> yes
1: so i the, put that down in the news section but we can talk about it now
0: yeah uh it's i i it just blew my mind because uh, if you're a long-time listener i'm fascinated by like geek crime and i think like somebody should make a decent budget budgeted movie about like something like this like stealing you know where it becomes like the ocean 11 for geeks like where you're coming in. <laughs> yeah, and, all right. And which, of course, okay, okay. Let's, uh, you know, to make it to where, oh, they're good guys. I guess it should be um, maybe some bad guy stole, you know, my dead brother's magic collection, who, you know, he had all these rare magic cards. And so it's worth, the bad guy stole it. It's worth like, you know, $500,000. We got to steal it back. So I guess you'd have to do mm. it like that, where you're you're being good. But no, I personally like the idea of no, we're just gonna go fuck fuck this fuck the major company, fuck Wizards of the Coast, we're gonna go steal from them, like they, you know. I we're like that. Rent...
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. What
0: would you gonna say we're, we're gonna what?
2: We're gonna rent a pallet jack and just walk off with. Them.
0: <laughs> Look, uh, and I've always told like you know, um like journalism students and stuff, you know, like when you are covering, you know, something kids, if you act like you're supposed to be there and don't get in anybody's way, most people will leave you alone. There's just, you know, other than that, it's just, I honestly believe it's a personality type of when you give people that, little bit of authority they suddenly become like oh okay well i'm gonna check badges you know here and all the time i don't know i just wonder was this a planned heist if so yeah i i would fucking love to i'd watch that movie man somebody turn that into a movie especially if they never catch these guys and we just find out it was planned yeah that'd be an awesome movie however i want to know was it that or was it a just a target of opportunity
1: this seems like it feels to me like it was a target of opportunity. So I've heard that there are two people of interest in New York City um, that are being sought for questioning. So, I mean, I presume it's them. There's like there is a, there's stone cold video of both of them. And there's oh. there's a picture of them with a pallet jack. It's really it's more of a rolling cart. With all these boxes of magic cards loaded onto it and they're just like it fit in the trunk of a car. So I think that they just like, oh hey, this door's open. Oh look at that. Let's uh let's uh let's let's uh walk off with this. And that's that's what happened to it. So I
0: I yeah, I'm just dying to know if it was like, hey, you know, we I've gotta go meet my friend Roy, you know, we're gonna play uh Gloomhaven. So I'm just gonna sh- Oh, take a little shortcut through here, and like, oh mm-hmm. my God, is that an entire palette of you know unreleased Magic cards? Or okay, that has been another debate: is what did they steal? Did they steal Magic promo stuff, which is worth a ton of money? Or even better, did they steal the stuff from the new Disney game, the Lorcana?
1: No, it was it was Magic cards.
0: Was Magic okay? Is what
1: I, is, is what I had heard. Okay, At first, so I, I thought it was Pokemon cards, but I think it's Magic.
0: Now, one detail I did notice in it uh, was they talked about not only was it uh, promos and prize support, you know, which because, I mean, that's a thing. That's going to be worth money. It was also it contained a bunch of stuff for their Chaos draft. And what that is, I saw my the year I went, I was blown away by it because um, I don't know what it costs to get into the chaos draft, but they mix things up. Uh, you're they bring old uh, booster packs, and the year I was there, they were handing out like uh, legends boosters. So these were like twelve hundred dollar booster packs that they were they were handing out for oh, people wow. to, to open. Because okay. uh, that that became a thing. The people that got like the more expensive ones, they were like, "We don't want to play. We just want to keep them." They're like, "No, you have to. You have to open it. You can keep. They're like, you can keep everything in it, but you have to open it." So, oh, but, huh? so it you know it, it could be stuff like that. So this could be. I mean, they could say that it's you know hundred thousand dollars. I wouldn't be surprised. A pallet full of Magic the Gathering stuff. I would absolutely believe it's worth a hundred thousand dollars.
1: Well, so it says it's three hundred thousand dollars in gaming trading cards. So, in my opinion, that's probably—I'm thinking that that's uh, MSRP. Which well, I would imagine that the secondary market would be a lot higher than three hundred thousand, but I don't know.
0: Well, okay, no, no, no. I argue that it is three hundred thousand dollars on the secondary market because if it was okay. just—if it was just like the current release of uh, Magic, I it would have. It would be an enormous pallet, an enormous pallet, of
1: to cost three hundred thousand dollars worth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: And if you saw like what they're pulling in the video, it's it looks to be about a quarter or a third full. You know, it's not very tall at all. It's just a bunch of stuff on it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and um, oh, just one comment I wanted to make on it is like, okay, we're it's still pandemic, still. COVID's still going on. I know a bunch of people got it at Gen Con. So you could have been wearing a mask and no one would have said anything and they probably would not have your identity into your oh, that's true. Yeah. So yeah, why, why didn't they do it? I just assume this, again, it's just, it was a opportunity. It was not a planned heist. But still, damn, Roy. Yeah, I think so. You think about that like okay, it's one thing for me to walk into a room and there's an unguarded pallet of magic shit. But I also in my mind I have to think, how do I transport this? You know, where do I take it to? How do I load it up? Yeah, I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. You I put on your I, yellow your your high vis vest and your hard hat and you just start walking out with it.
0: Yeah, but I guess uh, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I love the story. I'm dying to know where it goes. But oh uh the the disaster the first day of Gen Con also, the Lorcana line. Yes. Did you, yeah.
1: I was not I I heard about it. Uh there was so they they really miss uh mis underestimated. <laughs> 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 they uh so they had stanchions set up and they had the, the way I understand it, they had a line going one way. They had like two lines, and they were told that you can come in from either way. So people were lining up in each line. And then there was a Gen Con employee, which I'm guessing is probably not an employee, but a volunteer, who said, No, you people in this line, that's not right. You um, need to get in the other line. And so people that had been waiting for 16 hours to be w- amongst the first people in line um, basically got got steamrolled, and um, there was a wholesale line jumping. And know there people were injured, and a, there was effectively a a small scale riot that happened over over trading cards. Oh um, yeah, and uh, the later days were much more orderly, though. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. It- Okay, the main reason why people are acting the way they are, if you're not familiar with this game, this I, it is a Disney-backed CCG. So everybody wants to get in. Okay,
1: you got to go down. What? So we managed to get two Lorcana events. So you got to go into the games that I played and look at the eBay listings thing that I have there. It shows what some of these cards are going for
0: cards that you have in your hand or yes just just in general yeah yeah yeah. um and so yeah everybody wants to get in on that ground floor of uh, a new ccg and that's the thing with this one i just don't believe there's going to be anything rare i think they are just going to print and print and print and print this damn thing so uh it's yeah i don't know i imagine like the ones that uh people are selling off gen con are just i mean it's it's kind of fomo you know it's like you weren't there but you want to collect it all and i guess if you have the disposable income you could do it the prices on these uh, cards are
1: insane okay so here i'm looking at ebay here there's a gen con 2023 promo card mickey mouse sold for $95. I've got I think 3 of these. Okay, tell me but, how you tell me how you got them. Cuz so my to- wife she my wife got an early um uh time slot to pick events and she got a bunch of Lorcana stuff. While Ravensburger said no you need to give up you can only do one of them. So she had gotten tickets for her me and my daughter so we had three starters that we played each one getting one of these promos and then um. they had there was another event that they had that they'd never canceled her her event so she did so she did the, the demo four times and i think she got one of these these mickey mouse cards every time so 95 bucks for one card i just it's crazy and i'm not going to sell it i mean i i don't know that's I feel like the pot, the bottom of this market is just going to drop out after it releases, which is going to be in like half a week, maybe. I don't know. I and really, the gameplay is there's nothing groundbreaking, but it has it has Disney imprint on it, so that's that's it.
0: Uh, Oh, also, uh, not to mention there's a lawsuit, you know, because they're trying to stop it from being, you know, released and saying that they stole the idea and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I guess that's also a thing. People are scared that something will happen there and they'll have to recall, you know, the, you know, I don't (laughs) know. So, uh, so maybe there is a potential for value there, but still, I don't think I would have wasted time. Like trying to stand in line. I would have loved to like done a demo just to see how it plays. Um, yeah. But I would not have just like uh, you know been in line for hours and hours and hours.
1: No, uh, we ne- We never stood in line. There. So uh, the first night when the the night that the riot heart started, um, they closed the convention center at 2 a.m. There were people that were in line at 2 a.m. And security said, "Nope, you have to leave." And so then they lined up outside, and line, and they spent the night outside of the convention center until the doors opened at seven or eight o'clock or whatever. And then they they waited all that time, and then they got line jumped and and hosed. I'd be pissed, but I don't know.
0: So what else? Tell me about this magical place that I didn't get to go to that I love so much.
1: Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about Gen Con now. So the stuff that I did, I want to back up a little bit and uh, talk about a panel discussion that I went to see called uh, the, it was called imposter in the room about how to deal with imposter syndrome. Do you guys know what that is? Oh yes. Yes. Oh yes. Okay. And I struggle with it and I think a lot of people do. Um, and so there was a it was a panel discussion of a bunch of different people that I was not familiar with. Um, Jay Foster from Swole Initiative. You guys know know that guy?
2: No. Nope.
1: OK. Uh, and then uh, Kyle Shire is a was a producer for Critical Role or is a producer for Critical Role. And um, I don't know. It was OK, but it kind of started to kind of turn into a bit of a circle jerk uh, of people congratulating each other. So, I don't know. It's uh, how do you guys deal with 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 uh, imposter syndrome?
2: I pretend I don't have it. Okay.
1: You well okay. So what's your uh, what's your key? What do you mean?
2: Uh well um, in my case it has uh to do with um, ooh I write games. I'm a game designer. No, you're not a game designer. You're not a game designer. It's um, it's me taking a look at just some facts like uh, here's a fact Mm -hmm. i have a relatively full itch page of things i have written including a number of games and the games have rules Mm -hmm. and they're functional and they do things Um, and i've gotten some nice feedback from other people who i respect about some of these things Um, so that's a fact another fact is i've been doing this for three years now. I think the first thing that I released was probably almost exactly three years ago, certainly three years ago this month. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, and over the course of that time, I have priced the games high. I have priced the games low. They're currently all for free uh, with a couple of uh, specific exceptions. And, uh, it's been oh well i'm i am a game designer because i am a professional game designer because i charge and people buy and they've given me money no i'm not a professional game designer <laughs> because i'm not doing advertising i'm not doing outreach i'm not even doing play testing <laughs> um, okay. and so working through these like what are the what are the criteria for calling yourself a game designer um and and coming to grips with those sort of at a just a simple break it down to some really ground physical reality things and I've reached a point where I feel like okay what I mm-hmm. am is the hobbyist game designer uh, with a very small reach but some successes that's good that's true um and so and that's I'm and through, that's that's enough for you yeah and that and and that is enough for me because I have a job and I've got other mm-hmm. interests and I've got other things where, where I'm successful. I don't um, I've reached a, a point where I have recognized that I don't need to be um, pick a name. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to start naming names of other oh. game designers in this context, but yep. there okay. are, there are, there are some who make their living this way and there are some who don't make their living this way, but um, have, established themselves as um names in the hobby who are uh-huh. understood to be game designers with all capital letters um and I don't I don't need to be that I need to be the guy who does the thing that he does and feels good about it um, okay but it it took a uh-huh. little bit of time to get there okay yeah I just it, um And
1: I'm not sure what I was looking for when I went to this panel. Uh, There was some there was some takeaway and I thought I had my notes around, but I must have been in a different notebook. Um, So yeah, it's and these are all uh, successful people that, um, you know, in spite of of uh, upbringing or you know uh, just past, they've they've kind of risen above. So that was a little that was um, uplifting. I guess
2: um, oh, good. It just occurred to me yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the physical facts that I use to hang myself on here is um y'all invited me onto this show wow, okay <laughs> um right that that um it, uh, and all of these things are this is a thing that I do. I don't have any sense of how it fits into the larger world. I've got no idea in this case, how many listeners there are. I've got no idea how they feel about me. Um, But Adam keeps letting me show up every month. (laughs) And so, and so, um, (laughs) me too. That's uh that, that ameliorates this sense that imposter syndrome eats at you. Like you're fake. You're not really doing it. You're not really, you know, you're not really whatever. Um, yeah. because the bars to entry are so low. Well, no, you know, the bars to entry are so low because you can really do it. And if you mm-hmm. clear those low bars to entry, you're really the thing. Now, maybe you're playing baseball, but you're not in the major leagues, but you're still a baseball player. I'm still a game designer. I'm still a guy mm-hmm. on a podcast, uh, talking about cool. All right. these things.
1: So one thing I do remember from the uh from the panel discussion is they said that the the voice that's always with you is your own. And you know it's always the one that's most critical of you. So I I did kind of take some solace from that that like you know even if somebody doesn't really like me then probably okay even if I'm not like great in their eyes. So mm-hmm. yeah Uh, So let's see. I I saw that panel. I went to a comedy music cabaret, and one of the people that I saw there was a singer by the name of Ginger Slingshot. Um, And she is a she's a she's a geeky artist and she played a song called Emotional Baggage of Holding, which um, is kind of about um, about backstories and about how every backstory is uh you know my parents are dead and and my village was burned to the ground and everything um so uh ginger slingshot she's i think she's uh trying to get a kickstarter to put an album out Uh, and i talked to her a little bit because she was in the 5k that i did which in the 5k i had not been training but i managed to finish ahead of the guy
2: that had a cane (laughs) so so that's a plus there was this a gen con five k or just uh incidental to the yes. event okay
1: no, it's a gen con five k the orc stomp um, <laughs> okay, and so there nice. are people there's some people that that do it in costume. I saw a uh finn from adventure time, and the okay. uh, the dude wore the the stocking hat the whole way along um so. <laughs> I, and I, after it, I said, uh, big ups to you, Finn, for wearing that the whole time. Um, I played uh, My Little Pony RPG with my daughter. Uh, and it was the same GM that we had last year. Um, and that's a Renegade Games uh, RPG. Um, and then I played in a NASCRAG tournament, which is a it's and d 5th edition. But uh, kind of the rule of thumb there is that if you're rolling dice, you're probably not doing it right um as in there's there's hardly any combat it's all puns and puzzles and jokes uh this particular one i played elfwood indigo with my brother jake indigo and we were getting the band back together
2: Um,
1: (laughs) so the the beholders we were trying to kind of find all the various um band members of the beholders and and bring them back together while um opposing the ticket master so we had the the ticket master was the bad guy uh i played a star sorry what
2: i was just going to ask if these were pre-generated characters
1: yes yeah um and then i played a star wars pod racing game which was it was a homebrew game and it was kind of it, it was okay i don't know it was kind of like um uh formula d the the board game the roll and move uh racing game i don't know it was okay and then sea salt and paper was a, a nice little card game that was kind of origami themed oh. uh, so if you're into origami check that out uh i believe that's i'm not sure if that's released yet um and then lorcana um and uh So Disney Animated is a... that's a Funko game where you... It's a co-op game where you... uh, Basically, you're trying to complete your film. So, like, the particular film that I had was 101 Dalmatians. So you got to, like, play cards to get the backgrounds put down and then play cards to put the clear cells of the characters over the top of the background. And then once everything's completed of all four players, then basically you win. It was the... um, it was pretty easy as far as a a, uh, a co op game goes. And I don't really see any a great way to like scale it up and make it a little bit harder to beat. Uh but Disney animated. And then like I say, the Lorcana stuff that we did. Um, and that's kind of my 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 Gen Con wrap up. Oh and uh well, we'll talk about that in the news.
2: There's another another news thing about Gen Con coming up. Okay. Is Adam uh, how, talk many about times, something? how many times have you been to Gen Con?
0: Oops, sorry, my bad. I accidentally oh. hit YouTube. I, I was going to ask, uh, what was the weather like?
1: Uh, it rained on Sunday lightly, but it was uh, um, nice weather. Was it hot? Well, not as hot as as uh, Mississippi. Okay.
0: Probably yeah. J- just curious. Um it still does um Dungeon Crawl Classics have such a big presence there with uh who is that? Goodnight yes. games. Yeah. Yes. And,
1: the uh the Nascar tournament was kind of very much adjacent. So the Nascar tournament is played on uh Lucas Oil Stadium field. Uh and uh the Dungeon Crawl Classics is adjacent to that. It's cool.
0: Also yeah. um that reminds me, uh, they announced a new version of Starfinder there. Okay. Does, does that sound right?
1: I was not aware of that. Oh, I want to talk about Rollmaster Master when we get back to it, by the way. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so you guys remember uh, Iron Crown Enter- Enterprises, Rollmaster, Master, the old uh, RPG I, from the 80s?
0: Well, I yeah. remember, I know Iron Crown because they did um, Silent Death, a fighter uh, miniature game.
1: Ah, okay. So I was walking through the dealer hall and I see this booth that's Iron Crown Enterprises. I'm like, "Oh, they they've resurrected it." And the guy goes like, "Well, actually we've never gone away." <laughs> <laughs> I I felt like a giant jackass, that I like I kind of deflated this guy that that uh I thought that they had gone out of business, you know, years and years ago. But they have a new new version of uh, Rollmaster, and uh, I believe that um, the original Lord of the Rings game was based on Rollmaster, I think. And then there was uh, – I had a game called Cyberspace, which was a, a cyberpunk. It was their version of cyberpunk that was based on the same system, Percental Dice. And Rollmaster is also called Chartmaster because there's this whole esoteric system of of percentual roles in the back of the book for when you make an attack. (laughs)
0: I've, I've also made that mistake at conventions before with like, Oh, wow. You know, I'm so, I can't believe they brought back this game and you get the, uh, we, we never left. (laughs) Like really? Yeah. Uh, I was publishing new material in my uh, garage in you know spokane washington and just mailing it out with yeah so yeah I, did you, well
1: okay so did i i felt like a giant jackass when i after i he said it actually we've never left did you did you have the same sort of feeling
0: yeah yeah it's I, yeah i'm <laughs> like good for you but i'm sorry um yeah all right uh i played saga tournament yesterday i sponsored for my convention and um uh, that's has bit about it, except the strangest damn thing has now blown up and gotten popular at uh, my FLGS. And that is the World of Tanks miniature game, which is based on World of Tanks, the video game.
1: Oh, I demoed this last year and hated it.
0: Um, <laughs> it's it's published by Gale Force Nine. Um, I, it's so it's OK. It is a beer and pretzels version of the flames of yes. war, uh, uh, the flames of war rules, which were already a beer and pretzels version of World War II rules. So okay. it is very it's a very simple game. I love how there's no factions. You can you we, you you uh play a point cost so if we play 200 points i've got like two russian tanks one british tank and you know it yeah none of that matters uh so yeah yeah it's basically like roy you know we just you came over to my house and we just played army men you know we're yeah we're just fighting (laughs) yep all right it's we basically we got all our toys together and we fought each other. That's basically what it is. It's like there's there's no lore, there's no reason. And I love that. I love the fact that I could just sit down and just try to, you know, gamify a force without going, Well, would dwarves field this? Or am I allowed you know, can an ogre <laughs> army you know, and not I, I just I just it was very freeing to me. And I, it take you play on a three by three. Uh, board so you're playing with 15 millimeter tanks usually about four or five a side on a three by three board using 2d about
1: the size of a hot wheels car right
0: yeah yeah roughly
1: okay oh okay and my absolute favorite thing uh about
0: this is the range in this game is short or yes (laughs) i love it it's you get bonuses like if you're shooting is short range and that's like point blank it's like uh it's got a little four inch arrow like if you're within that you get a bonus but other than that Mm -hmm. no everything's in range as long as you have line of sight i love that that's the way it should be when we're fighting on a four by six table we shouldn't have guns with 12 inch ranges and all that shit no range yes Yeah, yeah so Uh, i'm enjoying it uh and also yeah that's the other thing is it's inexpensive i if you want the boosters quote unquote is just you you're buying the tank that you want it oh yeah it's already put together it's painted uh as in it's it's one single uh coat of paint each um country has a different color like britain is tan Mm -hmm. us is you know that forest green. Anyway, so it's like eight bucks for a tank. Uh, you could buy the starter set, I think, for like thirty bucks. So yeah, it's just very, very cheap to play. So loving it. I look forward to organized play and having that go and whatever. I'm sure Gaming Cancer is bought into it. He buys into everything <laughs> competitive. But I will. I will. <laughs> the face return him. of
1: Gaming <laughs> Cancer.
0: I will. I will face him. You know on the field of honor and we'll see how it goes but anyway
1: (laughs) you need to develop some gaming chemotherapy
0: yeah yeah it yeah it needs to be a thing uh it it is yeah i mean it's just interesting how you know i've seen shops handle it and how not to handle i don't know i don't know what the solution there is but i'm sure one day he will move away I was actually reminded um, the other day, like 15 years ago, when I first moved up to this area, um, the tabletop gaming scene was not a very nice scene, at least to me. And um, all those guys that used to play and used to, you know, cause the issues they did, I haven't seen any of them in probably, they haven't been in the store regularly gaming in over a decade. And I probably haven't seen any of them in probably five years so if you just wait long enough i guess things turn around
2: generational turnover
0: yeah shannon what have you been you know, playing oh sorry well, what what so were you wondered, gonna say about I generational wondered, turnover was
2: that was it well i was just gonna say
1: that uh that's your uh that's that's your movie plot there too is it like uh uh dude that has to deal with gaming cancer finally decides to like you know, take care of him once and for all. Kind of a uh, 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 Fargo kind of situation.
0: Ooh, wait. What if uh, the guy, you do it Breaking Bad style, the guy has cancer. And so he's going to steal from um, Wizards of the Coast <laughs> in order to fund his yeah. uh, <laughs> cancer treatments.
2: Uh-huh. There you go. All right.
0: Again, uh-huh. come on, guys. If, if I can think of this, one of you guys can crank out a screenplay.
1: <laughs> All righty.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just asked us, yeah, where I think. It should be awesome. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you were playing charades, uh, Shannon?
2: Yeah, yesterday there was a, a family party with a lot of children. And I have never actually played charades, I only know how to play it from watching sitcoms. And it turns out I'm pretty good. Yeah. I'm pretty good on the guessing side, and I'm pretty good on the on the uh, here's your phrase, I'm not going to talk to you side. So that's uh hmm. that's what I played recently. Hmm. So I would I would highly but then you've encourage been designing. Yeah, there was a there was a jam on itch called the one page RPG jam, and I guess it happens. Every year, and I was absolutely not going to do something for it Uh, one morning when I woke up at 9 o'clock, and by 9 o'clock the next morning, I had written something and laid it out and uploaded it. I have been listening recently to a podcast from uh, several years ago called Design Games, hosted by a couple of professional game designers, and one of the episodes was called – character monogamy. And the idea there is that in your typical role playing game. One player plays one character. Mm -hmm. And, And it's my character and very often, in fact, the identity between player and character is so strong that when you're at the table, the player will say I do this, I do that in reference to what they want their characters to perform in the game. Um, yes, and that's and that's great. Uh, that's a great way to play. But the point of the podcast was that's that's an assumption. That's a that's a thing that you do, but you can stop right there and and rethink that and decide whether that's what you're going to do or not. And I thought, oh, that's very interesting. What if during character generation, everybody at the table took turns generating one part of a character, and then move the sheet around to the next person at the table what what would that be like? What would that be like? So I wrote up um, a description of how to do that in sort of abstract terms, and then wrote a quick little spy game uh, in order to demonstrate with some with some mechanics that people could actually apply at their table. Uh, In order to generate characters that way, and then to play, and then to play a game that way, where at certain discrete intervals or as a result of particular outcomes on the table, the character sheets rotate from one player to the next, Um, and that was fun. And there have been a few people have had some nice things to say about that. So, would
1: this be a way of of kind of generating a personality or background, a unique player character that like say I have a player that's a or I have a character that's a fighter but I'm going to hand off the details to it to everybody else in the party is that kind of what you're what this is going to do kind
2: of yeah so uh, what did I say roll or assign stats advance a character sheet one player clockwise select skills advance character sheets one player clockwise select connections Advance the sheets, name the character, and then use the stats, skills, and connections to write a short biography. So one, two, three, four people. There are four people involved in generating each character, and each person Uh only does one quarter of the character generation for each character, but not the same portion. So you'll assign stats for a character, and then the next character you'll you'll, you'll have your hands on. You'll assign their skills. And then you'll assign their Mm -hmm. connections. And this was a spy game, probably because I just watched an episode of The Prisoner. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And and so spy connections are things like a college teacher or an estranged parent um, sort of linking into burn notice. Mm -hmm. that TV show or meddling parents or somebody who's still employed or a mentor who's maybe retired. And the idea is that even some of your connections could be deceased, but you know, like the idea here was to build out a character with potential for play to develop onward over the course of play. It was a very simple game, a lot of discussion, not really a lot of die rolling. And the die rolling mechanics that I came up with were very much geared toward an assumption of success. Um, so you've got skills and you've got stats and you add the stat and you add your skill number and you roll a d20. And if you roll um, six or greater, <laughs> then then mm-hmm. you succeed. Um I don't know it all made a lot of sense when I wrote it. It's not gonna make a lot of sense trying <laughs> to describe it. But um but it was a fun little thing to write. Um it reminds me that uh that my engagement in the hobby is mostly playing like I write games rather than sitting at a table and playing with other people as much as I would like to do <laughs> that someday again. My lifestyle just does not isn't just, just isn't lining up with that. Well oh, okay. I guess space at my table. Ah, that's good to hear. Um, give me give me some info offline so we don't uh, get all of our sure. all of our listener showing up at okay. our house one night. <laughs> <laughs> um, very self aware. As uh as I said before, all of my games are on my itch and they're all for free. So you should all grab Check it, it out. and have a good time laughing at my expense. <laughs>
0: Uh so I don't know how old the stuff on the, uh what's in your radar is there did we talk
1: about oh. uh, Nope, the, I put that on there. The Stifling Dark. The Stifling Dark. This was a game that I uh saw they had a booth at GenCon. And um I was I thought it was pretty cool. So there is a there's a there apparently there's a steam game called Dead by Daylight. Have you guys heard of that? Yep. No. Okay. <laughs> so that is a, a a killer versus all of the investigators. So this game Stifling Dark ha it comes with three villains and they each have different ab- abilities and they have a small uh player board and they move around the board. So there's what there's the there's the carnival and then there's the sawmill. And the two, it's a two-sided board. Um, and so the 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 killer kind of stalks around the the sawmill, and it's a it's a hex gridded board, and so they can move. I think they one of the one of the villains has a move of five. Um, the investigators have a flashlight template. They only have a few charges on their on their flashlight, and it can recharge over time. Um, But it's it's a yellow uh, template that kind of covers some spots on the board. And if they choose to use their flashlight and they illuminate the villain, then the villain's made. And then they have to, well, they have to make a run for it. But the villain is kind of stalking around, taking out all of the other investigators. Okay. Um, It looked really cool and groovy and and creepy-like. so the Stifling Dark is uh you can do a late pledge uh on Kickstarter and the what the the base and the expansion is $85 um the base game was 60 um and uh, uh Dip by daylight I guess this has a a uh, a game coming out too but apparently it's not that great um so the Stifling Dark looks pretty cool I'm going to keep an eye on that
0: Now, I've played uh, Dead by Daylight um, a a little bit. I had a kid that really got into it, and I was like, okay, what is this? It's, you either, you're either like a group of survivors, there's five or six of them, or you're the killer. And basically, Mm -hmm. the survivors, you have to hide. And until a certain time and then you can escape whereas the killer is like kind of stomping around trying to catch you and if he catches you he'll take you over to a place and uh either kill you or imprison you and so that's kind of the game okay i, I, mean, it's, I mean it gets a little more detailed than that like the kill like when you move if you move slowly you don't leave any tracks but if you run your tracks show up like glowing like bright red
1: ah, just oh okay yeah
0: Yeah, hey, just stuff kind of like that um uh but yeah i liked it anyway uh so yeah this is a
1: board game copy of it okay of uh or similar
0: yeah it's yeah that uh game style i think would uh, go over well in a board game
1: yeah and then, uh, so the second thing I had on my radar was a game that we bought called Honey Buzz. Um, it's following on with our our history of of bee and honey related games that we review. Um, we early on, we talked to Matt Shoemaker about the uh, Bee Lives. Do you remember that? Adam? Yep.
0: We, yep. We will only know some. Okay.
1: Yep. So Honey Buzz is a it's it's a economics game based around the, the production of honey um so i have a copy of this haven't played it yet so that's also on my radar
0: uh that does remind me um historic kc fest i think is coming up shortly i've just oh I yeah what, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. i've just reminded that of uh, richard and matt over on uh history on the table it's basically their, boss well, mats, Matt's, but, yeah, it's basically their thing. But, yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. just thought about that, so. Yeah, uh, right. And, uh, yeah, okay, we talked about the solo and Gen Con things. I guess the only other thing I wanted to mention yeah. uh, was Baldur's Gate 3 is out, and people are saying it's, like, the greatest thing.
2: I, yes, I they think, are.
0: Yeah, I figured you guys are old enough to have played the original uh, Baldur's Gate, and, uh, yeah what what'd you guys uh-huh. think
1: i i've well, actually i have not actually played baldur's gate i mean i know it's it's a uh, kind of a it's an rpg right
0: yep oh uh, okay. it's it's uh they put out several different versions of it it was basically an isometric rpg to me it was very similar to like diablo uh, although mm-hmm. I, I couldn't tell you which one of those came first, but um yeah, and uh, it's just the re- one of the reasons why it's such a big deal, why it's so successful now is because it has no microtransactions.
1: Oh, it's, OK. Yeah, yeah. It,
0: it's being touted as it's it's not being sold at like $60 or $80, whichever. And it's being sold complete as like um uh, it's finished um you know there's no microtransactions here you go so people are like wow we didn't know that was like a thing so uh (laughs) yeah
2: nice looking at the wikipedia page this this uh i missed out on this one entirely came out after i was uh, doing other things with my life than playing games (laughs)
0: But yeah, anyway, that's uh, all I had for this episode. And uh, just kind of wanted us to get back on the horse and, you know, um, talk about Gen Con because I love it so much. Have you been? I went one time. Before then, uh, I, I think I went in 2019. but like before then, I would always like religiously like follow the coverage of it because oh. it would be you know all these pictures of like new games, new miniatures, new this that and the other, cool interviews, panels, and I went and yeah, it's greatest thing ever. It, a place that has it takes like two days to get through the dealer room. That's my idea of
1: yeah. a perfect convention. So wow,
2: it's a football right.
1: field plus. Yes.
2: How many times Hello? have you been, Roy? How many times uh, have you been?
1: Uh, I think maybe six times. I think wow. something like that. How
0: far is the, to... how far is like the drive for you?
1: It's about four hours, four hours three and a half yeah. hours. It's
0: not bad at all. Yeah, for me, it's yeah. like I think twelve, um, twelve hours. I think is what, um, driving up there was. I think I can't remember, but anyway. Wow.
1: So yeah, yeah I it's guess a, it's uh it's a fun time of uh of people that get you. That's that's 70,000 people that are into what you're into. But some are, Yeah. So.
0: Well, all right. That brings us to the end here, and so we will say good night and uh we'll see you guys later.
1: Good night. Tune in next time for another exciting underdog show.